Peter Harrod here from the Dynasty Crossroads Show. I hope you can check us out, or actually just me now. Hope you can check me out. Come check me out. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me this week, Ryan McDowell. Ryan, we're we're missing our buddy Matt, but uh, but we had somebody in the back that we pulled out uh, into the limelight for this week's week's episode. Yeah, we we had to dust dust this one off, but uh, this this should be a fun episode for sure. We always miss Matt when he's out on assignment, but this uh, this will be a special one. This is a special one for sure. So uh, you all know him, of course. He's he's around all the time. He's the uh, I don't know how to really introduce you, Ken. You're the uh, you're one of the partners. You're a writer. You fill in all over the place. You're you're in the back channels of DLF, kind of the uh, the czar of DLF, I guess. Ken Kelly, welcome to the show, bud. Wow, I don't think I've been called the czar of anything before, so that's a real honor. And I have to tell you guys, this is, I looked it up, this is uh, DLF pod number 483. So being mm-hmm. asked to be on this show for my first time is really an honor, you know, because, I mean, I mean, I had to be towards the top of the list. To make it before episode 500, it really, <laughs> like, improves my self-esteem so much. And I just, I just, I, I just hope that I can live up to expectations. Yeah, well, I'm sure you would. Um, we, you know, I got to tell the listeners one quick story. We have a show sheet that we do mm-hmm. every week for the show, and and Ryan and Matt and myself will put little notes in there. Things like, for instance, Ryan said Chark injury could change wide receiver roles. That's all he put. Uh, well, Ken went on there and wrote us a book, so uh, expect to hear a lot from Ken on each one of the games that we cover. We're going to follow our regular uh, agenda, go game by game, cover the biggest things that happened in every game from a Dynasty perspective. But Ken, before we do that, I have to I have to mention, I, I was going to lead you in saying, hey, you know, Matt, all this... All this stuff about Kyle Pitts being the tight end one already and, and take him over all these you know established guys, especially Travis Kelsey, there's been some talk of maybe removing Matt from the show. And, and I was going to joke around about that, but I thought that might hit too, too close to home for Matt when he listens in this week. It probably would. Uh, it's been kind of a running joke between Matt and I, and certainly I would never fire Matt Price. You guys do such a tremendous job on this, on this podcast, and it really is an honor to be on here. Um, we have gone, so you wouldn't fire him. I wouldn't you'd fire him. him. Leave, right? I, not, I might ask for his resignation, maybe. Uh, Matt and I have gone back and forth on, on the whole Kyle Pitts issue. Um, it takes tight ends a while to acclimate to the NFL game, and I think that's what we're seeing with Pitts. Is he talented? Absolutely. Is he going to be a tight end one in the future? I think there's no question about that. The problem is the the position in which he was being drafted and his ADP was such that you needed to get production from him right away. And you just couldn't wait those two years, three years before you started getting those Kelsey-like numbers. So uh, it's been kind of a source of contention between the two of us. It's been fun to kind of rib him on it. Uh, but this happens. This happens with tight ends all the time. It, it doesn't mean that Pitts is going to be some type of a bust. He's not going to be. 
but I think that many dynasty owners drafted Pitts maybe as high as 101 in the rookie drafts, expecting him to be this dominant force right out of the gate. And when you're playing on an offense led by an aging quarterback, um, those expectations were just a little bit too high for Pitts. But uh, I will give this to Matt. When he plants a flag, he plants it deep. And I appreciate that. It's all good. No doubt he does indeed. And, he, and he's one of those uh, analysts that puts his money where his mouth is. I've seen him make those trades. Uh, you're going to have to listen in next week, Ken, because I'm sure Matt will have something to say about your analysis. Well, I'm sure he would, but um, we'll, just, we'll just see what happens. Maybe, I don't, know, I don't know, Matt might not be back again. It just, oh, might, okay. it just might be the three of us. Who knows? We'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, I haven't see seen his, I haven't seen his response to uh, what's happened over the last three or four weeks. So he might just be hiding <laughs> along with the lions somewhere in the San Diego Zoo. Who knows with him? <laughs> with that, let's get to uh, some of these games. We always start on Thursday night. This was an entertaining game, guys. A lot of fun to watch, and it wasn't really expected to be that. The Bengals come back and win, of course, 24-21 to on Thursday night. Joe Burrow had that magnificent second half, 348 yards and two scores. Tyler Boyd was great, 9 for 118. Chase got his, I guess, 6 for 77. First game not finding the end zone, and Joe Mixon was good, 16 for 67. And a score, although just caught one of his two targets for no yards, that was disappointing. I think I think mainly, Ken, the story goes right to Jacksonville. Everything surrounding the Jaguars, there's so much to talk about here. Starting with the head coach, dribbling down to Trevor Lawrence, who who is fine in this game, got the rushing touchdown. That was nice to see. Didn't turn the ball over. That was good. And then James Robinson was so good in this game. 18 for 78 and 2. LaVisca was good. 6 for 99. I guess it's a step forward for Jacksonville. But on and off the field, there's a lot to talk about with the Jags. There really is, and when I go back to my notes, and let's just say they're they're copious. You know, you, okay. you said that they are they are very long, uh, but I jotted down a couple things. Number one, Trevor Lawrence has beautiful hair, and me as a bald mm. man, looking at that, I just think that is just amazing. Now, could I rock that haircut? Yeah, I think I could, but can't. Uh, but I can't. The second is going to be Urban Meyer. I, I am confident that I'm going to outlive Urban Meyer even as kind of an overweight dad, I still think I'm going to outlive him. Because every time you look at him, you think, like, he is on the verge of something really bad happening health-wise. He, he is, I mean, he is not used to losing. But my big takeaway from this really goes back to uh, kind of a conversation that, that Ryan and Matt and I really had last year about James Robinson. And you look at that situation with James Robinson, and we as dynasty owners have a tendency to fail to learn from past mistakes. And I'll give you some examples here. Um, it reminds me of uh, Arian Foster. So Arian Foster came on the scene, an undrafted free agent, had a really good rookie season for Houston. Uh, Houston rewards him by drafting Ben Tate, I believe it was in the second round. We as Dynasty owners just had a massive overreaction and started taking Tate, you know, fourth overall, fifth overall, sixth overall in rookie drafts. Tate gets injured. Tate never, it never reaches his full potential. Meanwhile, Arian Foster goes off to have one of the greatest you know, dynasty careers in history. Okay? Fast forward a few years later, Chris Carson, seventh, uh, seventh round draft pick, comes onto the scene. Pete Carroll is just so into competitions. Carson wins the competition in the offseason, um, comes out and plays really, really well. How do they reward him? They take the most shocking pick in recent memory, and I'm a Seahawk fan, with Rashad Penny in the first round. So what happens? 
just like we did with Foster. We start selling pennies on the dollar for Chris Carson here. And Rashad Penny obviously doesn't pan out. Carson has gone to be one of the most underrated players, I think, in all of Dynasty Leagues. So here's kind of the lesson that we should learn. And, and Travis Etienne was drafted this year, and a lot of people just jumped on this Etienne bandwagon and started selling off James Robinson shares on pennies on the dollar. Robinson is a talented running back. And talented running backs who are proven in the league tend to produce. So there was a window there that opened up, I think, pre-ETN injury that dynasty owners really need to look at. And just because a player is drafted highly doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be the end for that veteran or young player ahead of them. And I think that we really need to learn from that. Yeah, there certainly is a lesson there. You know, I always came back, Ken, to when it comes to Robinson, I always thought he's a good, not not great running back. And, you know, he's the guy, I think Troy Aikman said it on the, on the telecast, he gets everything that's blocked and then gets a few more. And that feels like what James Robinson is to me. So I never got on the on the James Robinson hype train throughout last year. I figured it was a fad. I'm probably one of those that need to learn that lesson along with a lot of us that, that listen to you put that so eloquently there. Ryan, when it comes to Jacksonville for you, I kind of buried the lead. Chart, that injury, it's major and it changes those wide receiver roles. Yeah, I really think it does. We saw DJ Chark uh, suffer a fractured ankle on the first series of the game for the Jags and what we saw the rest of the game, it did feel like different, like those receivers were playing different roles. Uh, LaVisca Chenault had easily the best game of uh, the season so far for, for him and was, was really the go-to guy on a lot of that short stuff. And uh, Chark has been the, has been the deep ball threat in that offense really his entire career with, with that team, but especially this year going into week four, his his A dot was 16 compared to just five yards for LaVisca Chenault. So I, I think with Chark out, it might be Marvin Jones who was uh, kind of in between those guys. He, he would certainly see some deep ball targets. I, I think it's going to be him who uh, who sees those deeper targets, and, and that's going to come – you know, at a detriment to his to his bottom line when it comes to box scores. So uh, it feels like, obviously, uh, arrow down for DJ Chark out for the year, arrow down for Marvin Jones as well, and, and it's it's going to be a boost for Chenault. That's really painful. Many of us as Marvin Jones managers have, have kind of plugged him into that wide receiver three spot and thought he was overlooked throughout the offseason. We acquired him and thought that this this run of, of solid games would come because of it. And I, I agree with you. I feel like that all changed with that injury. And now, you know, especially with Jacksonville struggling, 0-4 start, they're going to want to see what they got with Visca and let him work all three levels of the defense. They did that a little bit against the Bengals. Defense that has been relatively good this year, especially on the back end, and Visca certainly held his own that six for 99 line on seven targets. I'd expect him to flirt with double-digit targets as we move forward. Let's jump over to the Sunday games, guys. Washington, the football team, wins 34 to 30, Taylor Heineke throws three three touchdowns, 300 total yards, 290 through the air, 43 on the ground. Terry McLaurin was his number one target, six catches for 123 yards and two touchdowns on 13 looks. Antonio Gibson, guys, 16 for 63 and a score, just two looks in the passing game for 12 yards. J.D. McKissick was involved. It was maddening, once again, to watch Antonio Gibson 
really the usage was was just something to shake your head at. There was one series, uh, Gibson was on the field early and McKissick came in late once they reached the red zone, had three straight inside zone runs, lined up in the shotgun, handoff to the running back, it's McKissick each time, he gets it inside the five, then on third and goal from about the three or four, they bring Gibson in, fake that same play to him and throw it out of that set, end up kicking a field goal, and I'm thinking to myself that entire time, well, McKissick gains 9, 10, 12 yards, whatever it was on those three carries. Gibson's far more powerful. He, he can break a tackle. Those should be his opportunities in the red zone. So I'm sure all Gibson managers are shaking their head along with me that that can't continue. It, from Atlanta's perspective, Ryan, that offense, it's so up and down. But Matt Ryan, 283 and four touchdowns. Ridley was fine, 7 for 80 on 13 targets. Kyle Pitts was all right, 4 for 50. But it was Cordero Patterson who stole the show. Yeah, obviously. Uh, three three touchdowns for Patterson, uh, all receiving. Uh, he actually saw the uh, the smallest workload on the ground that, he had, uh, that he's earned all year. So I wouldn't say that's a concern uh, moving forward because Mike Davis is just – just not that good, honestly. Mike Davis was fourth on the team in rushing in this game, uh, outrushed by uh, Matt Ryan and and obviously Patterson and others. So, um, I mean, Patterson is just looking like a must start in, in fantasy at this point. Dynasty managers are going to have a, a difficult time trying to figure out how to value him because he is 30 years old. I, he's not someone that's going to be an impact player for – three or four years, it's it's really almost like a, a Gronk or Tom Brady situation. Just use them while you can and, and get the most out of them. What's the trade value, Ryan? If you need a RB2, a guy sliding to your flex and, and somebody shopping Cordero Patterson, are you given a second? I'm probably not. Uh, I think I could, if, if I'm ready to move, you know, to flip that second for something of value, I, I think I could probably get more out of it than than Patterson um but if if I've got Patterson that's certainly what I'm looking for sure if, if I'm looking at Patterson I might consider the Patterson in my third or Patterson in my third for a second type deal that's that's kind of where his value lies for me but like you I'd, I'd rather go somewhere else how about you Ken what, what about Patterson caught your eye on Sunday well, it's interesting, and this is the perfect show to, for me to be on, because you called me the czar of DLF earlier. Mm. Well, I remember things that happened on this site from years and years ago, and I can tell you the most controversial article we ever posted was about Cordero Patterson, and that was seven years ago. And we had probably 200 different comments about, you know, and I, I can't recall who wrote the article, but it was all about how they were it was, wrong. Was it, was it Jeff you? Miller. Jeff no, Miller. it was Jeff Miller. Yeah. Okay, so... Well, that doesn't check out at all. <laughs> Jeff Miller in controversy. Yes, of course. Line up. So Jeff writes this article about how Cordero Patterson is a sell. And at the time, everybody was thinking he was going to be the next great thing for the Minnesota Vikings. And he wasn't. And and Jeff ended up being right on that one. And, you know, you know there's a first time for anything. There is. And, and I will tell you, um, one of the things I do love about the site is is our flexibility and our willingness to let people share opinions that may not be popular. It's not about groupthink here at all. So um, Patterson basically had four touchdowns in his first eight seasons in the NFL. He has four already for for the Falcons in four games. That is unbelievable mm. to me. 
And you look at Mike Davis and you see a starting running back, but just like Ryan said, he's not very good. He just he just really isn't. And I know he caught a, a touchdown pass today that kind of masks a little bit of his inability to pick up yards, but he had 13 carries for 14 yards today. And to me, it's very rare when you see a starting running back who is essentially a roster clogger in Dynasty. And Mike Davis really is right now. Yeah, he certainly is. I I was on record saying I thought that was a that was a odd fit and thought thought he was going to be a fantasy bust and it certainly looks to be the case so far this year. He just you know, he got bailed out with a he caught a touchdown late in the game, so there's no value to be had there. You can't you can't even trade him for a third round pick. It doesn't feel like he's he's the definition of a roster clogger as we move forward. Uh the Bills, they shut out the Texans 40 to nothing. On Sunday, Josh Allen, 248 and 2, also added 41 rushing yards. Not a lot to talk about here, fellas. Ryan, is there any takeaways from the from the Bills' perspective? I was impressed with Dawson Knox. He caught those uh, both of those touchdowns. Uh, this is back-to-back weeks. He's going to be a tight end one in fantasy, uh, three out of four weeks. And, you know, this, this is one of those offenses that we talk about we want pieces of. And... Uh, Stefan Diggs is expensive and Josh Allen is expensive, but, but Dawson Knox and even Emmanuel Sanders are not. And Sanders played the same number of snaps, ran the same number of routes as Diggs today. Um, that didn't have the, the huge game like he did last week, but I think both of those players and, and Cole Beasley included, uh, would all be trade targets of mine uh, on contending teams. Diggs ended the game seven catches, 114 yards on 10 targets. So he's he's ramping things back up after a relatively disappointing start. Sanders, five for 74 on six targets. Beasley was the disappointment here. Might be able to get him even cheaper now. Two catches, 16 yards on two targets. How about you, Ken? Any takeaways for, for you? Well, I'm with Ryan in terms of the Dawson Knox analysis. I think he's becoming a, a weekly play for us now. And there was a lot of talk in the offseason about the Bills going after some different tight ends, whether that was Zach Ertz or, or somebody else. But they've really settled in on Knox now. And he's done a good job now three or four weeks. Uh, Zach Moss, 14 carries. Devin Singletary, 14 carries today. A little bit of a frustrating timeshare. I think you guys mentioned in a previous episode, the Bills are kind of like the Ravens where Allen's going to get a bunch of rushing yards and a bunch of rushing touchdowns and the running backs can't be trusted. I think they're proving that on a week-to-week basis. And we're, we're kind of at the quarter pole now of the season. So what you are is kind of what you are. And I think that for the Bills, that's what they are. Yeah, it certainly is. Let's talk about the NFC North matchup, the Bears and the Lions. Chicago comes out on top 24-13 to 13 behind David Montgomery. 23 carries, 106 yards, and two touchdowns early in the game before going out with injury. Early word is that it might not be as serious as maybe it looked. So if you got Montgomery on your roster, maybe there's something to look forward to there as we get the MRI early this week. In other notes... Justin Fields, 215 yards, that's fine. Didn't throw a touchdown, though, through the pick. And just three carries for nine yards. So, once again, disappointing. Once again, not really used as that runner. And, you know, in the late game, we saw Trey Lance come in. And and his play in the second half of that game, plays would break down, and he turns into a runner. And he turns that into a, a, a solid stat line that gets makes him a an option or a, a weapon, I guess, to be a number one quarterback on the week. He only played half a game, guys, and he goes seven for 41 on the ground. 
So we're adding a touchdown pass through the ground. That's the kind of floor that these running quarterbacks are supposed to um, present. And Justin Fields just isn't doing that. He's, he's, everything's going awfully slow. I know what he said uh, after the game last week saying, oh, it seemed fast to me. It was just that everything was slowed down for me. It was no, no problem. But he, he looks like a deer in the headlights to me and in over his head. A young player that should probably mature on the bench before before playing anymore, unless they're going to change this offense and let him run some kind of zone read uh, and, and get him out in space on his own with his legs. Uh, Ryan, you were watching this game closely as well and saw Allen Robinson catch all four of his targets, but man, that it's just not happening in most likely his final year in Chicago. Yeah, it, it's not at all, and it's pretty frustrating looking at uh, his production so far this season, and, and Ken said it a moment ago, at this point, we're a month into the year. What you are is what you are, and so far, Allen Robinson has been the wide receiver 62, wide receiver 49, wide receiver 81, and this week, he's the wide receiver 47 with a couple of games to go, so uh, that means four weeks in a row now he hasn't even been a wide receiver four hasn't even been in that top 48 range and you know we always see changes when a a new quarterback comes in or a new coaching staff and everybody assumed it would be good news uh, when Justin Fields took over Uh, I don't know if it's going to be good news for Allen Robinson It, it certainly has been frustrating and at this point we you can't start him. You, you've got to see it, or I do at least. I, I want to see it before I am ready to put him back in my lineup. Every year we see these kind of guys, right, that that we're expecting wide receiver two numbers at least. At least he can be a flex, right? So he's a hard guy to hold out of your lineup, but I'm with you. We're to the point now, especially if Fields remains under center, it's, it's going to be hard to start him, uh, Ken. Well, just to piggyback a little bit on Fields here, um, Ryan said he was kind of a deer in the headlights. I honestly think at this point, Matt Nagy could just probably put him in a deer costume and have him run across the forests of Illinois during hunting season. That would probably be a quicker way to get him killed than what he's trying to do right now. I mean, honestly, I, I have kids just like you guys do. And when they were really little, we used to get these square plastic toys and they had the blocks and you would, you would give them like the round block and have them try to like put it in the star and stuff and everybody like, and you as, as really good parents would just laugh at them. That is what Matt Nagy is trying to do with this offense right now. He is trying to have Justin Fields run the Andy Dalton offense, and it is not going to work, and he is going to get injured if they continue to do this. Now, Fields was better today. He only took one sack instead of taking nine, which is really, I think, the the most amazing statistic of all. But this offense that they're running right now does not fit his skill set at all. They don't get him on the edge. They don't get him using his skill set. If you wanted to have a drop-back passer in your offense, then you shouldn't have drafted him. You should have taken Mac Jones. You should have taken somebody else. But right now, they're really trying to make this work, and frankly, it's not. Ken, I didn't know you, where you were going with that. You had, a, you had a person dressed up like a deer getting shot, and then you mentioned kids. We'll just move on. <laughs> I think it's true, though. It, it really is. I mean... Why don't you just do that and just make it easier on everybody yeah, else? Well, there's there's a lot of things going on in Chicago that, that Bears fans and Dynasty managers alike are shaking their head at. You know, the, the odds-on favorite to get fired in season was Nagy, and they've never done that. I think there's reason to be concerned if you're Matt Nagy about making it through the end of this season. 
Uh, let's jump over to the Cowboys and the Panthers. Dallas prevails 36-28. to Dak Prescott threw four touchdowns. Zeke looked great, 20 carries for 143 in a score, but only one target. Dalton Schultz was also involved once again, 6 for 58 in a score. But it, it kind of came at the, at the mercy, I guess, of some of the other targets in that offense. Amari Cooper caught a touchdown, so that saves his day. CeeDee Lamb wasn't involved at all. Uh, two catches for just 13 yards, Ken. So it's it's kind of a somebody's got to miss out type of offense right now with so many weapons in Dallas. It's exactly what it is, and I think that's the danger that we all saw going into this season. If Dak was going to be healthy, which clearly he is, there's no question about that, there was just no scenario where Elliott, Cooper, Lamb, the tight ends, Pollard, I mean, there, there just isn't enough to, to spread around even an explosive offense for them to be really, really good and productive each and every week. Uh, we saw it years ago with the Rams where Torrey Holt would have a bad game and Isaac Bruce would be great. It just happens that way. You, they have an embarrassment of riches right now offensively, and this is, this is kind of the result of it. So am I panicking on CeeDee Lamb after one bad game? No, not at all. You know, Cooper was a little in and out today, had a little bit of a hamstring injury. But Cooper was due. He hasn't been good the last couple of weeks. So it's going to happen. They're going to spread the wealth a little bit. I think the takeaway that I do have from this game, aside from Elliott really establishing himself more today than he has at any point during the season, is the play of Dalton Schultz. And I know Jarwin was able to score today, but Schultz really looks like the the option for the Cowboys in terms of, of tight end production. And that was two really good games in a row. And I think Schultz has kind of gone from weekly streamer to low-end starter in quick in a quick yeah he's he might be this year's like logan thomas type player the guy that we can we can count on as he's gonna get six eight looks every single week and and sometimes we're gonna be frustrated because they're all that quick out or that dump off along right at the line of scrimmage but he's gonna get his opportunities in the red zone as well we saw a couple of them for tight ends you mentioned the jarwin touchdown schultz scored also schultz got eight looks in this eight targets so caught six of them for 58 that looks pretty good in carolina though ryan that you know that off sam darnold scored two rushing touchdowns again he threw two, also threw a couple picks, but he looks like a legitimate top 20 quarterback, not just for fantasy, but maybe NFL quarterback. He stands in the pocket, he takes the hit and delivers the football, and he's got the weapons. DJ Moore, once again, huge game. Eight catches, 113 and two scores, and now he's a weapon. It's, maybe this is a CMC thing. He's not in the game, so they, they're moving DJ Moore into the backfield. He got a carry for six yards in this game. Also, one of those touchdowns that he caught, that came on that like angle route, the Texas route they call, um, out of the backfield. That's creativity that we like to see with the elite playmakers in your offense. They got DJ the ball early and often, 12 targets, looked incredible. There might be another waiver wire gem on this offense as well, Ryan. Yeah, I think so. I was kind of interested to see uh, the usage for Rodney Smith, which is not someone I was super familiar with heading into this game. But, uh, of course, Chuba Hubbard uh, got all the attention with the Christian McCaffrey injury, and, and he played fine. Uh, but but Smith was really the, um, the, the pass catcher out of that backfield. And if McCaffrey misses more time, Smith might be worth, uh, worth a pickup in, in those deep leagues. Yeah, he may. Uh, 
I, I liked him as the pass catcher. He he came out of the bat. He, they were really rotating those guys in and out, Ryan. Smith caught those five passes, but they clearly don't see Hubbard as a weapon in the passing game. They see him as a dump-off option. Nothing like they saw um, Mike, um, uh, Mike, yeah, Davis Mike Davis as last year. Right. Well, they also didn't necessarily have the options uh, that they do now. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, Hubbard saw two targets, called them both. Uh, Royce Freeman was the other guy that we thought would be kind of next in line. Uh, just just three carries, no targets for him. Uh, I would rather have uh, Rodney Smith than, than Hubbard. I'm sorry, than uh, Freeman at this point. Yeah, Freeman's probably a drop at this point in most dynasty setups. Indianapolis, they get the win against Dolphin, uh, the Dolphins in Miami, 27-17. to Carson Wentz threw a couple touchdowns. They... Uh, they also went to Jonathan Taylor enough in this one, 16 carries, 103 yards and a touchdown, caught three passes to help out as well. Honestly, guys, I didn't see enough of this game. Uh, it didn't hit red zone as much as some of the others, but it it felt like every time they showed the game, Jonathan Taylor was ripping off a, a nice first down run and, and getting them past the sticks. And then they'd show him trotting off and it was Naheem Hines or somebody else coming in. And I, I was just so frustrated at about three quarters of the way through the third quarter, he hit 100 yards. And he ended with, with one more carry for negative yards. And, you know, when they're nursing a lead, that feels like Jonathan Taylor type of football. They sh- he should have been up in the 24 carry range, and he just didn't get there. They continued to let Carson Wentz drop back. And, Ken, you mentioned guys quarterbacks getting killed out there. Carson Wentz is going to be killed if he continues to drop back this much in a game. I was I did not like the play calling. He only threw it 32 times. He took a couple sacks. He he got rocked on a couple of his throws where I didn't know if he was going to get up. I really don't like how the Colts offense is is coming along right now. They're 1 and 3, but they're lucky to be 1 and 3 at this point, Ken. Oh, I totally agree. And you know, Wentz and, and Frank Reich are certainly kind of attached at the hip right now. And it, after a quarter of the season, you're going to look at that experiment and say, this is not working. It really isn't. And if Wentz makes it all the way through the end of the season uninjured, I'm going to be stunned. Because yeah, and if they do, and if he does, they got to give up a higher pick for him, right? Right, yeah, for sure. You know, my takeaway from this is more kind of on the, on the Miami side. And that rushing game that the Dolphins have is atrocious. It's really bad. Uh, Gaskin just does not look like the the same player we saw last year. Malcolm Brown, eight carries today. Gaskin and Savon Ahmed combined for five. Uh, Maybe they could trade for Sam Darnold and put him at running back because he's all of a sudden turned into Michael Vick. Uh, They don't really have anybody else on that team right now who's kind of carrying the mail and and getting it done. So it's a concern for sure on on the Miami side. They just don't look very good uh, without Tua uh, right now. Yeah, and Brissett's filling in admirably. He's doing the best he can with the skills that he has, and, and I guess. But th- they, need, they need a difference maker there, and it just doesn't seem to be there. Um, speaking of boring, I guess, the Cleveland Browns beat the Vikings 14-7. to If you like defensive football, this was the game for you. Not a lot of highlights, really. The quarterbacks both stunk. Between the two of them, they barely reached 350 yards passing. There were... Uh, there were... There, there, QB rating was poultry at best. Uh, one touchdown pass and one pick between the two of them. Nick Chubb, I guess, hits 100 yards, but only one target in the passing game. Caught it for five yards. Kareem Hunt finds the end zone once again. That's fine. Delvin Cook, guys, just nine carries in this one. Um, 
I mean, what is there to talk about, really, Ryan? Yeah, it it was kind of a boring game in in some ways. Cook was uh, was in and out of the lineup with that ankle injury. So he said before the game that he would be his his normal self. He obviously he was, was not. not. Um, so hopefully that's not a a serious thing or or something that's going to continue to bother him. But uh, I guess we'll see moving forward. Uh, as far as the Browns, we've talked about it a lot with Nick Chubb. He's he's one of the best runners in the league. But from a fantasy standpoint and from a dynasty standpoint, he's limited by the lack of involvement in the passing game. So uh, he might be the best runner in the league, but he's he's hardly or he's barely a top 10 dynasty running back because of that. And and really, I think Baker Mayfield is is just OK. He's like the the definition of, of an average NFL quarterback. He is he is not making his his team or his pass catchers any better. And, and I think this entire team, they're, they're great on the field. They're having a good year. They, they had that uh, exciting year last season. Um, so they, they might make the playoffs, but this is not a team I really want pieces of from, from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah, Baker missed Odell Beckham Jr. on a double move where he was wide open. It's a long touchdown and just completely missed him. And Odell just looked back at him and went like, what are we doing here? Ken, you watch this game as well. What are your takeaways? Much the same as Ryan. You know, you, if you had a running back who gave you 35 carries for 169 yards and a touchdown, you'd be pretty thrilled, right? Absolutely. Well, the problem is that's what you got from Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined. That's just the reality is the Browns are a really good rushing football team. And having both of those two players back there is really good for them and really horrific for fantasy owners. Uh, Chubb is not going to get the catches that Hunt's going to get. Hunt is likely not going to get the carries that Chubb is going to get. Uh, they're both obviously very usable players in Dynasty, but you almost need one or the other to get dinged up to really get max value from the other. And the problem is it's going to cost you probably a late first, early second to get Hunt, and it's it's probably not going to be worth it to you just assuming Chubb's going to miss some games. Uh, in terms of the chemistry between uh, Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr., I, I would put it this way. If Chris Harrison from The Bachelor walks into the Browns locker room and says there's one final roast for the evening – Odell Beckham ain't getting it. He just isn't. Okay, so there, there is just nothing happening between those two. I don't know if they need to start having breakfast together or start like going, going on like walks or something. I don't know what the deal is, but they just do not look like they are in sync at all. One of those guys need to go for a walk, but it's probably to another team to separate them <laughs> uh, because Beckham just hasn't ever been on the same page as his quarterback in Cleveland. Ken, Ken, it, it, it's Jesse Palmer with The Bachelor. Come on, keep up with the... <laughs> Keep up with the now. News. Okay, so now if you want to start going pop culture on me, Ryan, this <laughs> podcast is going to go for about five hours, and it's going to get deep. It's going to get really deep. It feels like it already has. <laughs> it feels like it has already. We're 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 digging. Uh, the Giants they dug out of a hole in the fourth quarter and won this one, twenty-seven to twenty-one in New Orleans. Daniel Jones threw a couple touchdowns. His first pick of the year came on a hail mary at the end of the first. Uh, half he threw for 402 yards in the game gosh guys he's he's played really really well to start this season first quarter of the season has gone his way personally but the team's just one and three Saquon Barkley scores twice including the game winner in, in overtime but everything we have to say probably comes on New Orleans side of the ball Kamara he he was fine 26 for 120 we love the carries the touches though 26 touches. He didn't get a target in the game. That's maddening, Ryan. What are we going to do with AK? 
Yeah, I talked about it last week with Kamara's usage. He saw, I, I believe it was 26 carries last week, which was a new career high. Uh, had 24 in this game, and uh, I, I may be flipping those. But regardless, he's he's had four games in his career with uh, 20 or more carries. Three of those have come this year in the past four games. That's so, awesome. I love it. Uh, well, <laughs> where are the catches though? <laughs> it, it feels a little too Nick Chubbish for me. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, love, I love the carries. Can't get on board with the uh, with the targets though. Yeah, well, I mean, we all know the type of player that Kamara is, but we also know um, we know what this offense is, and it's it's not good anymore. It went from top three in the league to to maybe bottom. I don't know. Bottom three is probably uh, a, a little too strong, but. Uh, definitely one I don't want a piece of. And that includes Alvin Kamara. If he's on my dynasty team, I'm ready to sell him. We've seen his ADP drop. I've got new October ADP already. Um, he's still a first rounder, middle mid first rounder, uh, seventh overall. If I could trade him for um, uh, Saquon Barkley, the, the player he faced in this game, I would do it so quickly. Barkley's out of the first round. He's in the second round in that new ADP. Uh Honestly, there's probably 15 players behind Kamara in ADP that I would trade him for immediately. Yeah, and a handful of those guys, you could get a sweetener on top when you when you send the offer. Ken, you were watching this game, and, and Kamara caught your eye as well. Well, for sure. He's really the only piece of the offense that you want, but I also think that we as Dynasty owners need to be careful what we wish for. Everybody was ready to send Drew Brees to the scrap heap, but look what ha- look what look look what has happened so far. You have a a gunslinger of a quarterback in Jameis Winston and he's replacing Drew Brees who was a little weak armed at the end there, but Drew Brees knew that offense in and out and we saw it last year when Kamara had problems, it was when Taysom Hill was the quarterback. And I don't know what Taysom Hill has said or done to Sean Payton, but they are just attached at the hip, and it is maddening as a dynasty owner because Taysom Hill just siphons value off of so many players on that team. It really is frustrating. The only thing I would say on the Giants' side is Kadarius Toney was out of the witness protection program today, so that was good. Six catches, 78 yards, positive for his development. Uh, You guys have talked about this ad nauseum, but they need to find a way to get him involved. Why would you spend a first-round draft pick on a receiver and then just not hit, get him involved in the in the program. Yeah, hopefully that's just a, a poor coach that doesn't know what he has in his, in his weapon. And then finally some injuries happen. He gets on the field and now they realize, holy cow, this guy can get open. He can make plays after the catch. And that's what he did on Sunday. So so a step in the right direction, at least. The, Jet, the Jets, they uh, win an overtime thriller, I would say. 27 to 24 in Tennessee. Zach Wilson showed his upside in this game. 204 or excuse me 297 yards two touchdowns including a beautiful rollout long throw to Corey Davis so Wilson showed everything he's got in this game Ken the the Jets get their first or first win of the the season first win under the new coach and new uh new quarterback there's something for Jets fans and dynasty owners alike to be excited about here there is Zach Wilson this was by far his best game made a lot of really tremendous throws the throw to Davis was really impressive Wilson obviously has a very strong arm it's his decision making that's questionable and that should get better over time uh the Jets are a little bit of a wasteland certainly in terms of fantasy value I was happy for Corey Davis today just kind of on a personal note Davis was a player who's taken above a lot of really good players be it McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook in that draft and 
a lot of uh, a lot of us dynasty owners looked at his production over the last three or four years, and he was just so disappointing. But he's really coming on for the Jets. That's two really big games for him. You feel good for him, especially in a revenge game like this. Four catches, 111 yards, one touchdown. Um, on the Jets side, Ty Johnson, he could be dropped. Michael Carter's taken over this backfield, but even that, do you do you feel good about playing Michael Carter? Probably not. They're really not doing anything in the rush game at all. Um, the, and finally, Derrick Henry. Everybody says, well, he's going to wear down. This is time to sell. This is time to sell. Get rid of him. Um, he certainly does not look like a player who's worn down at all. If you put a wall in front of him, he would run through the thing with authority. That guy is really, really impressive. Yeah, he's so good. And he's, he's just going to carry people to Dynasty Championships once again. This season, the Chiefs, they win in uh, Philly 41 to 30 over the Eagles. Mahomes throws five touchdowns. Tyreek catch three, catches three of them on 12 targets. Clyde Edwards Alaire, once again, 14 carries, 102 yards, no targets. Guys, I'm selling Clyde. You, you mentioned, Ryan, there's a handful of guys below Kamara that you'd sell them for. I, I bet there's 20 below CEH that I would sell him for right now. A lot of these young guys with a little more upside. Clyde looks just fine, but I don't want a guy that's just fine in the third round of a startup. I don't want to have in, invested the number one overall pick last year in a running back that's just fine. He's scoring these points because he's in this offense, not because he's a super special player. And I want guys that are super special when I have that kind of investment into them. Travis Kelsey, a little bit of a disappointment. He's going to have a down game every now and then. Four catches, just 23 yards. How about the Eagles, though, Ryan? They, uh, Jalen Hurts looked good. 387 yards and two scores. Also added 47 on the ground. Kenneth Gainwell was involved. Went for nearly 100 yards total from uh, from scrimmage and scored. Yeah, Gainwell looked good. I, I, I was just way too low on him. And honestly, I think a lot of people were. He fell to day three of the NFL draft. He fell to the third round of, of most dynasty rookie drafts. I don't think I got him anywhere, unfortunately, uh, because the Eagles are, are getting the most out of him. And it's coming at the expense of, uh, of Miles Sanders. Uh, he started the, started the year well. Uh, the first week or two, the past two weeks have been uh, horrible. So hopefully those... Uh, just end up being, um, you know, bl- blips in the in the road, I guess. But I I don't know. It's not looking good for Miles Sanders and and Gainwell is is the playmaker in the offense, the one who uh, looks electric electric out there. Yeah, there he's the one that that coaching staff wants on the field when they get close to the red zone too, which is painful as a Miles Sanders truther. Ken, how about you? What do you think? Well, I look at the same thing, and Gainwell certainly has been impressive. I look at Jalen Hurts, though, as well. 48 attempts today, 8 carries, rest of the team, 11 touches. Uh, They have just taken a a player who's basically a rookie and said, go win us the game by yourself. And it is putting a tremendous amount of pressure on Hurts. And I hope that he is successful. Uh, But they're really, really putting a lot on his shoulders. So I am concerned about that for sure. Devontae Smith, great game today. Zach Ertz. I think he could still be usable. Let's see what happens over the next couple of games. And Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is just a joke. I could honestly put on my dad khakis and sneakers and stand at the 20-yard line, have him start at the other end zone. He'd probably beat me to the side. I mean, it's unbelievable. This, This kid is absolutely electric. And he's really what Deshaun Jackson should have been. Yeah, that's I like that a lot. Uh, that's a good comparison. Um, guys, the DLF podcast, uh, DLF Dynasty podcast is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. 
DFSDFS.com, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Even if you've played DFS in the past, your experience with Monkey Knife Fight is going to feel completely different. No more competing against professional players or working through time-consuming salary caps. With Monkey Knife Fight, you choose from unique, easy-to-play games, including the popular More or Less contests, where you can bet on if your favorite NFL player will have more or less yards than predicted. You can also play other major major sports, including uh, golf, UFC, NASCAR, and more. I dabbled in college football over the weekend for the first time. I had a little bit of success, so I'm excited about trying that next week as well. Sign up for a new account with Monkey Knife Fight with a first-time deposit and receive a free year of DLF Premium. That's all for free. In addition, Monkey Knife Fights is, is going to match your deposit total up to $100 with a promo code DLF. That's it. That's all you have to do. Your DLF subscription is 100% free. It's going to be set up within 36 hours. You're going to get a free up to $100 free on Monkey Knife Fight, and, uh, and, and you're off, really. So go to DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Click the image for Monkey Knife Fight and follow the instructions to get started today. Let's talk about the Rams and the Cardinals. The Cardinals really boat raced them here, guys. 37-20. to 20. Kyler Murray was good. 268-2. Added 39 on the ground. They spread it out from there, though, Ken. Really, everybody got involved. Well, they did. And, and just from, again, from a personal standpoint, I'm really happy for A.J. Green. Five catches, 67 yards, one touchdown. Uh, great to see him start to kind of reemerge a little bit. Is he going to be usable in Dynasty Leagues this year? I don't know. But it's nice to see him at least you know, end his career on, on a more positive note, for sure. Uh, the concern I have with the Cardinals, Connor looks like the runner and certainly the preferred goal line option. Edmonds looks more of the explosive player and the pass catcher. They're both siphoning a ton of value off each other. I don't know that I want either of them in my lineups right now. And on the Ram side of things, what has happened to Robert Woods? And we've seen this before, where it's the same coaching staff, it's the same offense, but it's a new quarterback. And sometimes those quarterbacks find different targets. And Cooper Cup is certainly the, the wide receiver one. And you can't sell Woods. You shouldn't buy him. All you can do is bench him. Yeah, Woods, four catches for 48, did catch a touchdown, so got at least something out of him. Most of us were sitting him, though. Cup, 13 targets, again, just caught five of them, though, for 64 yards. Really cost me on Monkey Knife Fight. He had a six and a half over under, and I, I blasted the over everywhere. So, uh, Ryan, how about you? Any takeaways here? Um, just, just really that Arizona continues to spread it around, as Ken said, as you both said. Uh, we knew those four wide receivers would, would see their, uh, their share of targets. And every week, at least one of those guys is, is going to be on the short end of that. This time it was Christian Kirk, just one target, one catch. Uh, but now the tight end Max Williams has, has kind of joined that group along with, uh, the receivers and, and Chase Edmonds battling for targets. Uh, this is the, the second strong week that, that Max, Max Williams has had. So, uh, that's, I guess that's good news for him. If he's on your waiver wire, maybe consider that. Um, but it's, it's bad news for the wide receivers. It's going to be a tough, uh, a, a tough situation weekly trying to figure out whose turn it is. Uh, and then the other thing that I think has, has been so impressive, Kyler Murray has just, uh, you know, dominated from a fantasy standpoint and, uh, from an NFL standpoint, probably the MVP so far through the first four weeks. He hasn't really done a lot 
uh, on the ground yet. So it feels like there's, you know, fantasy points being left on the table every week. And if he's either forced to run or, or chooses to run, um, it, the the ceiling is going to get even higher. Yeah, what's nice is he is putting up those floor performances at the very least. And, and the little bit of ground uh, production that he's putting up there is helping out six for 39 on the ground on Sunday. Last couple notes from this game, guys. Daryl Henderson, he's clearly the guy there once again. 14 carries, 89 yards. Also was involved in the passing game to the tune of five catches for 27. So we're all starting him with confidence. Uh, Sony Michelle just three carries for 11 yards. And then Van Jefferson, really his best game as a pro, seven catches, caught all seven of his targets for 104 yards and two touchdowns. Looked good doing it as well. The Seahawks beat the 49ers on Sunday, 28-21. to Russell Wilson threw two. He ran in one. Uh, Alex Smith went, or Alex Collins, excuse me, 10 carries for 44 yards and a touchdown. It was, it was really, it was kind of odd how that played out. Chris Carson, was he banged up? Were they just trying to go away from him a little bit for a week? He just had 13 carries. So we're not really sure what happened there. Um, DK catches a touchdown. Tyler Lockett was quiet. On the other side of things, that's where the story is, Ryan. Jimmy Garoppolo gets banged up. Had started off decent, 165 and a touchdown early in the game, but Trey Lance comes in late, throws for 157 yards and two touchdowns to Debo Samuel. Also runs seven times for 41 yards. Those were all pretty much scrambles. They were playing from behind, and Trey Lance provided exactly what we expect him to do in those type of situations. He's He's got an unlimited ceiling. He really does, and and I would think this is the beginning of the Trey Lance era in San Francisco. Um, he came in at the start of the second half. The game was tied at seven, and there was there was some confusion early on as to why he was out there. Uh, we found out that there was an injury to uh, to Garoppolo, and you know maybe it, maybe it's a real injury, or maybe they were just ready for Trey Lance to see the field, and uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. It, it it's got to be. It, it, this has got to be Trey Lance's team moving forward, though. I hope so. What about you, Ken? Uh, nothing really to add here outside of uh, Tyler Lockett today. Four catches, 24 yeah. yards. We always say you are who you are. And Lockett is going to have those blow-up games, and he's going to have some clunkers like this. We shouldn't expect anything different from him. But I, I agree with you guys. I think this could be the changing of the guard in San Francisco. One of those touchdowns to Debo was just on a an absolutely terrible blown coverage by the Seahawks. Uh, but you give it to Lance, he he made some plays. Yeah, and it all counts on the scoreboard for sure. The Ravens, they scored a lot of points, or at least a lot more than the Broncos, 23-7 to in Denver. So so Denver come, comes down a little bit. Uh, they, they were awfully, they were flying high uh, last week throughout the uh, three, they're, they're, they're being 3-0. and uh, Lamar Jackson throws for 316 yards and a score. Didn't provide that, that upside on the ground, though, just 23 rushing yards. Hollywood Brown, four catches, 91 yards on five targets. Did catch the long touchdown as well. So everything kind of went well, Ryan, for Baltimore. But, and they win 23-7, to but no blow-up game from anybody there. No, no, it was, it was another game that was... I don't know, you could say kind of boring, I guess, which is not something we say of, of Lamar Jackson games very often. Uh, I, I was impressed with Hollywood Brown, especially after last week, took a lot of heat, uh, deservedly so, for, for those drops. Uh, came back and made an awesome touchdown catch in this game. And 
you know, the, the numbers he's putting up are make him a weekly fantasy starter. Mm-hmm. And I, I think his, his value is not caught up to that production. There's been so much hate towards him for the drops, for some, uh, some disappointing performances over the past couple of years. Like he's a wide receiver two that's being valued as a low end wide receiver three in dynasty. So we should probably take advantage of that. Uh, and then the other note, just uh, Teddy Bridgewater's uh, injury concussion. Drew Locke was horrible in uh, in place of him. So any if there was any chance of a uh, quarterback controversy there, that that's out the window. Once uh, Teddy's healthy, he's he'll be back on the field. For sure. You mentioned Hollywood Brown, the the wide receiver two, and he has like wide receiver one overall type of upside on a week to week basis. He can have those kind of games probably should have last week. Um, no worry about Rashad Bateman coming back. He, he's starting to practice. Ryan, is that going to slow you down on the on the love for Hollywood? Not really. I expect uh, I mean, Brown's never going to be that high volume guy. That's just not his game. So uh, if anything, I, I would think. Coverage-wise, Bateman being out there could uh, could help Brown. The other major dynasty story here, Ken, with Baltimore was was Tyson Williams. He he gets deactivated. Latavius Murray's the guy for this game. Eighteen carries, fifty-nine yards, and a touchdown. Really wasn't that impressive, Latavius Murray. What's the deal here with Tyson Williams? I honestly have no idea. I really don't. You look at this team and you look at the runners they have Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman, those three should actually be somewhere playing bingo but instead they're on the Ravens roster and they're all forming this weird committee and Tyson who's looked better than any of the three of them is somehow deactivated so I don't know if it's just pass protection and we know that there have been some issues there. Is it a poor work ethic? Is there something else going on? Uh, Is this just Harbaugh just trusting veterans? But that, to me, is a a really big storyline in Dynasty Leagues today and really disappointing. I mean, one of the things that we really pride ourselves as a site on is unearthing some of these gems. And we really thought we had something with Tyson, and it doesn't look like he's going to get a chance for a while. Though Latavius Murray today, not very impressive. Frankly, I think he looks overweight. And it just just hasn't. I I just don't think it's going to come together. So he may get a chance later in the season, but this is certainly a disappointment. Yeah, disappointment for sure. And and I was on the on the I guess bandwagon saying it was fine to pay a second round pick if you're a contender for Tyson Williams. That doesn't look like a good investment at that that at this point. So maybe swung and miss on that one. Uh the Packers, they finished off the Steelers twenty seven to seventeen at Lambeau on Sunday. Aaron Rodgers two forty eight and two through the air and then added a rushing touchdown to cap off his day as well. Um, Randall Cobb caught a couple of touchdowns. That was pretty cool to see, I guess. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon each get 15 carries. Dillon kind of played that role as the finisher late in the game, got a bunch of his carries, and and did nicely in that job, 15 carries for 81 yards. So maybe there's a path to him being useful in in big blowout matchups. If you can predict a Packers big win, games against the Lions maybe, although that didn't exactly happen last week. There might be something there. Certainly if Jones ever goes down, Dylan would have a big role in that offense. Devontae Adams was a little bit disappointing against 6 for 64. Uh, 
the Steelers, I don't know if we can talk anymore about this whole Ben Roethlisberger thing. He's got a dead arm. He made one really nice throw to Deontay, who ended 9 for 92 in that score. But he missed Juju Smith-Schuster a couple times for big plays that like 90% of the NFL, the quarterbacks in the NFL are going to make. So Juju was pissed. He was not happy about it at all. Najee Harris, 15 for 62 in a score, also caught six balls once again. So Ben misses everything. Rodgers was good. Randall Cobb was good. That's pretty cool, Ryan. Yeah, it's always good to see. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling out for this game and now on IR due to that hamstring injury. I guess most of us assumed it would be Alan Lazard kind of next in line to uh, to take advantage of that, but it was Cobb instead. Um, you know, next game it could be Lazard or, or anyone else. Uh, as far as the Steelers, you're right. Uh, I mean, I just feel like we say the same thing every week, that – and until Pittsburgh addresses this somehow and either, uh, you know, I, I guess replaces him or, or makes some kind of move, then it, it's going to be the same story, that we're going to be disappointed with uh, with the players on this offense, and it's all because of Ben. It was interesting. You mentioned it could be somebody else next week with Cobb. He was on the field in three wide receiver sets, and it wasn't one of those things where, well, Adams has to stay outside. The Packers like to move him into the slot. They let Cobb play on the outside, and he made a couple of those catches from the perimeter. So if they see him as the fill-in for any one of those three spots, there could be a path to, to him potentially becoming useful as a, as a bottom-of-the-roster flex type of guy if anybody misses any time on that offense. We all know that Rodgers really trusts him. Uh, threw him the ball early and often, really, in that game. Cobb had six targets, but caught five of them for 69 in the two scores. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's been a good weekend for Kentucky football. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Our resident Wildcat. Ken, uh, I, I got to say, thanks for joining us. Thanks for filling in. It was awesome to have you. You know, usually I give I give Price like a solid like D plus score on his his, hmm. his podcasting skills. You're you're in, you're definitely in the A range. Well, I appreciate that very much. And you know, I just have to say, I think by Tuesday, Randall Cobb's going to be the overall wide receiver one in Ryan McDowell's dynasty rankings. Yeah. And I am looking forward to refreshing that page to see it. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> We're all here for that. So that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast for Ryan and Ken and, and, and Matt, I guess. He's on vacation as well. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again.